Well, I, I'm both thankful and excited just to be able to, to give a report this morning and also to be able to, to just share from God's Word about um, what He is doing in my heart and what He's been doing in, in our ministry that we've been able to do, have. And our work is, is slow and, and the soil is hard. And there are times over the last six years and even the last year where Kelly and I have wondered, well, why are we still here? What are we doing? Why are we spinning our wheels? And then a couple months before coming back, we just had opportunity, upon opportunity to share the good news with people that just have never heard before. And we're reminded that we have this opportunity to share with those who've never heard. And we're called, that's what we're called to do and called to continue to do it no matter what the response is and how much fruit comes from it. And we knowing that the Lord is doing a work and He's calling us there. So for us, you could pray. Pray for those seeds that have been planted, not just by us, but some of the other families and, and the nationals too in our city. That some of these seeds that have been planted over the last few years, that they will bear fruit. That we'll see people that will embrace the gospel and follow Him. You could also pray for some of the current men who are, who are in leadership in the churches there. That they will be, there'll be a unity amongst them, that they won't see their, their church as kind of their own kingdom and their own thing and not willing to, to let others branch out and do works in other places, but that they'll see the need for the gospel goes forth through their church, throughout, throughout Willow Grove. Just like North Church and the body of North Church is a conduit of the gospel, that they would see that, that they would recognize it. That's how the Lord works to spread His name is through His church. That these leaders would do that, be willing to receive instruction and training. That they would have contrite hearts, obedient hearts, and faithful hearts to the Word of God. And also, you could pray that the Father would call out some new, new men that would be raised up to plant churches. That either ones that, that maybe have gone away and have come back, and they've been poured into, and they come back and they're ready to serve in Willow Grove, or ones that raise up who are currently in Willow Grove, who are ready. We've had some different people that we poured into, and then the guys, when it gets time for them to serve, they're like, uh, I don't know if I can do it. But that the Lord would move in these, the, these hearts of these men, or new men that will come up, and they'll be ready to, to begin churches, or ready, ready to be part of an existing one, that they're able to build it up and help encourage it, that the gospel would be, just go forth. And that's our desire, is that there would be a, enough healthy just biblical churches in Willow Grove, the gospel continues and continues to go forth and spread and that they work together in unity in our city. So that's some of our perk. It's kind of where we're at. We're just continuing to do this thing. I, uh, one of my, our platform, our reason that we're able to be in China is I'm a teacher uh, at the university. So every, every semester I get to share with students and share with students and plant seeds. And, and we do that and we look for opportunities to share, opportunities to study with people and then opportunities to serve the churches there, and also seeing those that the Lord might raise up to do the work that we can't do because of restriction, um, because of just tight control over our witness in there. There's, there's just a tight watch over us as Christians and over us as foreigners, um, and the Christians in general in Willow Grove. So those are some things you can pray for um, for us. And if you want to hear more, I think Dave sends out emails and requests from us, but if you also want to receive an email from us, we have a sign-up sheet. You can sign up and some magnets, uh, prayer cards that you can remember to pray for us, not just for us, but for, for Willow Grove and the people of Willow Grove. So um, 
We're excited that for many years we've been able to come to North Church and to be able to share what's going on, that you guys have prayed for us, and pray that that will, will continue and you can partner with us. This morning we will, we will look at, at Acts 26. We'll look at the, the, testimony, the testimony of Paul. Stop, stop studying with other people. Stop sharing with Jesus. Now, we've told you already before, you need to stop studying with students about the Bible. You need to stop sharing with them about Jesus. And then we told you to stop teaching and sharing Jesus with teachers. And now we're just asking you, you need to stop meeting with other people, studying the Bible, and sharing about Jesus. And if you do not stop sharing and studying, you will lose your job here at the university. These are some words that were spoken to our Chinese national brother uh, about two months ago. Maybe, I guess now more like three or four months ago. Where he was told he needed to stop speaking about Jesus completely. Not just with students, not just with teachers, but they wanted him to stop or he's going to lose his job. And if you get our updates, this is, we refer to him as Brother T. And if you know Brother T, if you know Teddy, you know that he loves Jesus. You spend just a little bit of time with him, he'll probably share Jesus, share about Jesus with you. And you know him, you meet him, you know that his all, as we sung about, his all is Jesus, the center of who he is is Christ. So for Teddy to be told, you, can, you need to stop ever with anyone studying or sharing. This is something that I know Teddy could not do. So this semester we'll see how the Lord works in his life, how he directs him and gives him wisdom how to be faithful to the Lord and also keep this job that he needs as an income. And also as he is a light in that university as well. And we'll see how the, the Lord uses him. And we pray that the Lord will, will loosen this control on him. That he'll be able to be faithful to just share as he has been. But for Teddy, the center of his life is Jesus Christ. And this morning we look at Paul and the life of Paul. And Paul said to live with Christ and die was gained. And Paul, if you knew him, I'm sure within a few minutes you would know that he followed Jesus. And that Jesus was the center of who he is. And this morning we'll, we will see that in the testimony that he gives and the more and more I, I look at this passage and Paul gives this defense, it's not so much about him at all, but it's about Jesus Christ and about what Christ had done in him that he could preach before all these people. The context of chapter 26, Paul, he's already gone on three, his three missionary journeys throughout Asia. So he shared Jesus, he shared the gospel throughout Asia. He's planted churches, he's appointed elders, and he's ministered and built them up and Throughout this whole time, though, there's this group of Jews that follow him seeking to crush this message of Jesus Christ, to crush the church of Jesus Christ, and continue to crush and desire to crush Paul. And this continues, and Paul then goes to Jerusalem. He's compelled by the Holy Spirit. 
He's compelled to go to Jerusalem. And he knows as he's doing this on his way, he's confirmed by the Holy Spirit that he's going to receive persecution and imprisonment there. But he says, I'm willing to go and not only be imprisoned for the name of Jesus Christ, but I'm willing to die for the name of Jesus Christ. And he goes to Jerusalem. And sure enough, when he gets there, there's rioting that goes on and create all craziness to, to, again, stop this message of Christ. And the Roman officials, they take Paul into custody because all the craziness that's going on, they're trying to figure out what has Paul done? Why? What is all this about? What is going on? And the Roman officials, they find out that there is nothing that Paul has done that they can charge him with. There's no, nothing that he's done against the law of Rome. But they keep him under custody because they want to keep peace with the Jews. And now Paul, he has been in Caesarea for two years under this governor called uh, Governor Felix. And he's there for two years in prison. And then this new governor comes, Festus. And Festus finds Paul and Paul says, send me to Rome. Don't send me to Jerusalem to stand trial, but I, I want to go to Rome before Caesar. And Festus has to decide, well, what? I don't even know. Festus thinks, I don't even know what to write Caesar to tell him about why I'm sell- sending this man, Paul. So he says to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, he's the great-grandson of Herod the Great. And he knows King Agrippa, he's going to know more about this Jewish thing that's going on. He's going to be able to inform me. He's going to be able to tell me why I'm going to send Paul to, to Rome. So Paul, or so King, King Festus, he brings King Agrippa and these other prominent officials, men and women, to listen, to hear what Paul has to say, to hear Paul's defense. And you can just picture Paul as now, Paul's fulfilling his calling as he was told when he was converted, when he was chained on the road to Damascus, he was told that he would stand trial, he would give witness to kings. And no doubt Paul's heart welled up in him that he knew that this was an opportunity for him to share Jesus Christ with this audience before him. And that brings us to our text this morning. We'll look at verses first 1 through 8. And in this we'll see that indeed Jesus Christ is Paul's hope. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. And Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that as before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation in in Jerusalem is known to all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to obtain. So they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O king. Why is, it, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? So Paul says, my life has been an open book. Everyone knows how I have lived. And I've lived faithful. 
I have not violated the law and the prophets in any way. But instead, he's believed them to the utmost and that they were completed and fulfilled, that this hope that they've been hoping for and desiring it has come in the risen Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is his hope. And Paul, as he does this, he knows that he is going to extend this hope to them that here, that he has this hope and he's going to extend it. He knows that those who are listening to him, that their eternity hangs in the balance as he has this one opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ to them. And here, as they hear this, they might hear this man saying, I am on trial for hope. And they might wonder, what, what hope? How can this man be on trial for hope? And he catches their ear that he might share the good news with them. In Willow Grove, one of our desires is just to be interruptible. We pray for that often, that we'll be interruptible, that we have opportunity to share and just be ready when we go here or there to be ready to stop and be able to share the good news and be interruptible. And sometimes we just need to catch their ear in order to share about the hope that we have. Um, Sometimes, or many times when we meet somebody for the first time, they'll ask us, well, where are you from? Then they'll ask, well, what do you do? And then they'll ask, well, how much money do you make? And that's often the third question, but often that gives us an opportunity, uh, a door to share the gospel. and say, well, you know, uh, the, our mon- the money, it's not the most important thing. It's not what's most important in my life, but Jesus Christ is and the hope I have in him and I'm able to share. Or other times I'll be talking with someone, maybe a taxi driver, and we'll talk about culture and religion. And I'll ask, well, what, what do you believe in? And more often than not, they'll say, in China in general, you'll hear people say, well, I trust in myself. I trust in myself. And I'll say, well, man, if I had to trust in myself, I know every day I make mistakes. Every day my strength fails me. Every day my wisdom fails me. And if I were to trust in myself, oh man, I would be disheartened. And I would, I would be disheartened every day and have no hope. But I trust in Jesus Christ. And he's my hope. And then he's able to share about the hope that I have in Christ. Because he is our hope. And we have opportunity with those whose eternity hangs in the balance to share about the hope of Jesus Christ with those we may never, ever see again. Let's continue. 9 through 18, and we see that Jesus Christ is Paul's redeemer. That Jesus Christ is his Lord. We see the conversion. We see the call. I myself was convinced that I had to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem, not only locking up many of the saints in prison ever after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness 
to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I have appeared to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul, uh, he gives his testimony. And he shares about how he was before Christ. And his desire, just like those who persecute him now, is that Jesus... This Jesus thing, this message of Christ, the church, as he says in Galatians, would be destroyed. And that Christ, this message, would be crushed. So he went out against them, even putting people to death, that they might not share the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul even says he had a, a raging fury, a raging fury against the church, against Jesus Christ, as he went out against them. In our city, for the most part, I don't see a raging, per se, a raging fury against Jesus. But more often than not, I see see a resistance, just a resistance to the gospel. And like I said in the video, most times that we share, um, people often will, when we get to the the miracles, they get to the resurrection, they'll just kind of laugh in disbelief. And be like, oh, you know, that's a Western thing. A Western myth that you guys believe. And the, heart, the soil is hard, but we have opportunity every day to share with those who have never heard. We pray that this resistance will change. But often when I think of a raging fury, unfortunately, I think more of, of here. In our culture here, there's a growing, seems to be a growing, welling up rage against the church and against Christ. Often if you, if you read a a blog post or a, a video or a news article, and then you read down and go to the comments, and you read those comments, I'm just amazed at the, the raging hatred for the church of Jesus Christ. But we know, as we look at the life of Paul, that when people meet Jesus, that he can take that raging fury and he can change them to radical obedience for him. And we see that in the life of Paul as he has changed. This summer, um, we had five college students that came to Willow Grove from America, came to Willow Grove to spend their summer, to spend a couple months. They studied Chinese and also the opportunity, what, or their, their desire was to, to share Jesus Christ with the people there. And one of the, the students that came a couple years ago, she would say she had a hatred for Christ in the church. But then she met Jesus, her heart was changed, and now she spent her summer in a foreign place, spent a lot of money to get there to share about Jesus with those who've never, never heard. And I need to be reminded, oftentimes when I share, I just expect the laugh, I expect the denial, the rejection of the message, and I don't expect, I'm not expectant that the message of Jesus Christ could change a raging heart our resistant heart into one who is radically obedient for him. But as we share, we need to recognize that the Lord can change. It may be over time, but it may be in an instant that he does that. We need to remember and remember the message of Paul and the, that Jesus is his redeemer, the one who changed him. And then we see as we go on that we see that Paul's calling. 
Paul's told to, to get up. And he's called. He says, you will be a servant. And you will be a witness. And even though we go and we serve, and it's our full-time job, you could say, to share about Jesus, but we are not professionals. We are servants of Jesus Christ. That we might be a witness to Jesus Christ. To open blind eyes that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And for all of us, as the one we serve, Jesus Christ, He is a servant who came to earth not to, to be served, but to serve. So you ask, are we all called to be servants of Jesus Christ, to spread the gospel and be His witnesses? Well, of course, we, we all are His servants. That's what we are called to be, His servants, His witnesses. And maybe the Lord is calling you even to, to a new step and a calling to go. But maybe you are like Paul and you're kicking against the goads. You are resisting the call of the Holy Spirit in your life to be a servant and a witness for Him. But this is Paul's calling and this is our calling. And then Paul continues. And he gets to the message, which of course is Jesus Christ, Paul's message. We'll look, begin again in verse 18, go through 23. He finds out his mission is to open their eyes so they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God." And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So Paul gives a message. that It's a message of, of forgiveness of sins. It's a message of eternal life and sanctification through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says, his call, he went to go and he, to preach, to repent and turn to God. And if we, there's no way that we can turn by faith to Jesus Christ without also repenting and turning from our sins and turning from God. Because it's Christ who died for our sins that we might have life. And he goes on and he says also that he preached that we, that we need to perform deeds in keeping with our repentance. We are to live a life of continual repentance. A life that reflects the change that has gone on, on in our heart. And if, if we look at our life and we see that we are living more of a life of rebellion than a life of repentance, or a life of love for the world and a love for God, then we need to tremble before His throne as we are called not just at one time to repent and believe, but we're called to a continual life that reflects the repentance that we have. And this is not to say that we live perfect lives, but 
not to say that we, we are we're self-righteous, but quite the opposite. But instead that, that we need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That we need Jesus every day. That's what it means to have a life of repentance and holiness. Not a life of perfection, but a life that continually recognizes our need for Jesus Christ. And in our home we often say, well, who needs Jesus? And ask our kids that. And of course the answer is, well, mommy and daddy, we need Jesus. Our kids need Jesus. Grandma and grandpa, we need Jesus. We continue to do that. As Paul says his message is a call for faith and repentance and a life of continued obedience. And if we, are, we fail that test, we should tremble before the Lord and ask that he would forgive us and that we might walk in holiness. And then Paul continues it gets the heart, to the, the heart of the message, of course, is Jesus Christ. Verse 23 is Jesus Christ, the one who suffered, the one who died, the one who rose again, that we might have light, both Jew and Gentile. That's the center of our message is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. <coughs> In our lives, as Paul was, that's changed by this Jesus Christ, that lives a life of repentance, is a testimony of Jesus Christ to those who are around us by the way we live and the words that we say and the love that we show. But it can change. This is a message that changes hearts. We have one friend who we met when we first got to Willow Grove. About six years ago we met her. She was one of our our Chinese teachers, a gal who taught us Chinese. And she had spent about nine months in the States, went to a a Christian college for a month or for, for a semester or a year. And during that time, she heard the gospel, but she wasn't interested. And we got to know her, and we shared with her about Jesus Christ, and she's not interested. But this final, finally, this year, um, she found out she had stage four cancer in her body. And Kelly asked her, well, have you begun to think about, about spiritual things? And she said, yeah, but I don't know where to begin. And Kelly said, well, why don't you begin reading in the book of Luke? And we call her Wendy, her English name, Wendy. And Wendy, she, that week, had to go and receive treatment in another city, in her capital city of a province. And uh, about a week later, she texted Kelly and she said, Okay, I'm done with Luke. Um, What next? I've been studying it, sharing with my husband. What do I do next? And then we went and we went and visited her. And she just shared, Man, this Jesus, these messages, these parables, these are wonderful. They give me just such insight and truth. And then we sent her some more material, and one time I sent her just a, a tract from John Piper in the beginning, just had this little bit about C.S. Lewis, that we have to see Jesus either, either who he says he is, or he's a crazy fool. And she came back and she said, well, I'm beginning to realize that I can't just say, I can't just accept the parables or say that Jesus is a good teacher and say I'm his follower, but I have to know that he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the Lord's beginning to work in her heart and on her way out of China, we met with her again and Kelly asked her, will you repent and believe? And she said, oh, I, I'm just not ready. She said, I, I, if I don't have to do another cancer treatment, another set of radiation and chemo, I think then if he does this for me, then I will serve him. And Kelly said, this is not the God we serve. He doesn't work that way. And she said, wow, our gods, they work that way. And she said, no, this is not the true God. You have to trust him. And about a week later, the radiation machine broke down, and she said, and it kind of put, pushed back her treatment, she said, well, I'm beginning to realize I just need to trust God and His plan. 
And we've kind of lost a little bit of touch as we've been stateside, but we pray that Wendy will receive this message of Jesus Christ, that she'll repent, that she'll believe it, and that her life will be changed by the message of Jesus Christ. And that as she is one of a friends of several other friends that we have, that they see her change, that maybe they would be changed as well. And we continue, we press on in Willow Grove with the message of Jesus Christ. Let's finish in out Paul's testimony. As we see that Paul bears the reproach of Jesus Christ. Verse 24 through 29. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. So Paul, he speaks of the risen Jesus Christ, and Festus stands up and says, Paul, you are out of your mind. And Paul says, no, if anyone is not out of their mind, it is is I, and I stand on truth. I stand on true, rational words. And I feel like we will have opportunity in the coming days or weeks or months or years to give testimony either between, before our family or our peers or our, our co-workers or possibly even before the authorities even of this country where we will be told, you are out of your mind. You are out of touch and out of your mind in this world because of what you believe. And we can say, say, no, if anyone here is speaking truth, it is us here speaking truth. And the more I know this word, the more I know that apart from this truth, this world makes very little sense. Death, suffering, love, marriage, the beauty of this world makes little sense apart from the truth of this world, of this word. And we're able to give testimony but we might bear the reproach of Christ. In Willow Grove, there's one young man named Thomas. He's about 26, 27 years old. And when he went away to college, he heard the gospel, he repented, he believed, and then he told his family about it. And his dad was furious and said, why did I spend all this money for you to go and study that you might become a Christian? And then Thomas, he's now living in his house, house with his parents, And one day he said, someone from the church is going to come by. And his dad said, well, if that person comes by, I'm either going to kill them or I'm going to kill you. And as I've studied with Thomas, I noticed he only uses his phone to study the word. And I said, well, do you have a Bible? And he said, well, I don't have a Bible at home. Because if I bring a Bible into my house, my dad, he'll just throw it away. So there's no use having a Bible. And he bears every day the reproach of Jesus Christ. Because he follows him. Because he has... None of his friends from high school, 
None of them from college are following Jesus. And none of his family. He alone stands a witness in his family for Jesus Christ. Then I see Paul at the end of this passage. And you just see him before this crowd of people with these chains on his hands or maybe on his ankles, his feet. And he's shaking these chains. And he's pleading with them for their salvation. He's imprisoned. He's in chains. But he pleads for their freedom in Jesus Christ. He pleads for the, their eternal hope that they might embrace Jesus Christ. And as I think of this, I have to think in my own heart, am I willing to take on chains so that others might be free? Am I willing to take on chains so that others might be free in Christ and know the hope that we have? It's hard. I read a quote from David Platt, who actually is now the, our new boss, the president of the International Mission Board, who is the ones that send us and provide for us. And he said, Why go to hard places? Because the gospel is, so, is good enough. The gospel is good enough to throw yourself into hell so other people can save it, can have it, so that other people can have the gospel. And he references Romans 9 where Paul says, May I be accursed, may I be damned, that the Jewish people might know Jesus Christ. Are we willing to say these things? Today, I don't stand here in chains, but I do plead with you, if you have not trusted Jesus, if you have not repented, turn from your sins, turning to God. If you've not placed your faith in the risen Jesus Christ, who is fully God, and fully man who died for our sins, receiving all our punishment, and then raise, rising from death, showing that he is truly the Son of God, that we might have the same hope of eternal life in him, that you would today repent and believe. Or maybe you are walking in rebellion, not walking in repentance. The father waits, just as in the story of the prodigal son, he waits for his children to repent, to follow him. Or maybe the Lord is calling you to a hard place or be willing. I know I was in um, college and I was serving at a camp and missionaries came and one of the guys said that for his calling, he, he felt that the Lord called him to say, Lord, I'm willing to go where others are not. I'm willing to go wherever you would call me. Maybe the Lord would call you to that this morning to go and be willing have chains for Jesus Christ. Or another thing I've been challenged by this last week of hearing the words of David Platt that he says his life, he offers it as a, plank, as a blank check to Jesus Christ. That he would serve him whatever way that he, the Father, would call him to. Or maybe he's calling you to a neighbor, a certain neighbor who needs, or a coworker, he ne- needs to hear about Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, I received an email from Matthias Media. It's a ministry in, in uh, Australia. And they just said, in, 
in general, people have a rather high regard for the Bible still, which is amazing. Still, they have a high regard for the Bible, but they have little understanding, which means that if you ask them, would you be willing to at least study for a little while that you might understand the Bible and understand what it is about and its message, they'd be willing to say, yeah, I'd be willing to do that for a bit. And they have some, came out with some, some several, like maybe eight lessons that just, just tell, help you to be able to share with someone what is the Bible, that they might through that know who Jesus is. Maybe he would call you to do that. Or maybe he's calling you just to partner with us in prayer, not so much for us, but for the national brothers and sisters there and for the others there in Willow Grove that they might know Jesus. May our lives be like that of Brother T. Be like that of Paul. When people meet us, they know that we love Jesus. We know that He is our all. Be willing to serve and follow Him. Let's pray. Dear Father God, Lord, we stand here redeemed. We were once enemies of Jesus Christ. But now you've changed us that we, we might know you, that we might serve you, that we might love you. And I pray in this room, if there are those who have not followed you, that they today, this morning, will repent and believe. Lord, I pray that we will be willing to be a blank check, willing to go to hard places, willing to take on chains for the name of Jesus Christ, that people might be free. And Lord, I pray for this church, as Lord, you use your church to be a light to the community around and to the world. And I pray that they will be indeed a light of Jesus Christ here in this place, dear Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be faithful, to live lives of repentance that reflect the message of Jesus Christ, that there will be those who have never heard, will hear, will repent and believe and bring glory to your name for all eternity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.